Welcome to the Vina Life Podcast. This is a podcast for young adults based out of Life Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Our goal is to help young adults grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ and effectively communicate the faith. For more information about our young adult community, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Vine at Life or email us at thevineatlifebaptistchurch.com. Now, here is your host, Pastor Chuck. God is glorified in joyful people who are eager to know Him and make Him known. This is the main idea that we should walk away with after reading, studying, and spending time in Psalm 100. In the past few weeks, we have covered different Psalms. And this is because we need to understand how, especially as New Testament believers, we need to understand how to read the Psalms. Just like the entire Bible, the Psalms also have different genres. So when we're looking at the entire Bible, we see that we have historical narratives. We have the epistles. We have the gospels. We have apocalyptic literature. We have wisdom literature. So the Psalms also have different genres. In Psalm 1, we covered wisdom. In Psalm 150, we covered praise. But these are not limited to what the genre of the Psalms are. We also have Psalms of lament, trust, royal Psalms, hymns, Psalms of thanksgiving. Now, understanding just the genre will help us to orient our minds and give us a right perspective in the midst of our current circumstances. So this is why I said that the Psalms should be a regular part of our biblical diet. So whether you are reading a Psalm a day or it is your weekly focus, we all need to spend time reading, listening or studying the Psalms. And last Thursday, we did just that. So today we're going to cover what we discussed with Psalm 100. And as I said before, the main thing or the main idea that we should walk away from Psalm 100 is this. God is glorified in joyful people who are eager to know him and make him known. So let's read the text and then get to um, get into how we came to this conclusion. Psalm 100, a psalm of thanksgiving. Make a loud shout to Yahweh, all the earth. Serve Yahweh with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that Yahweh, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgivings and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For Yahweh is good. His loving kindness endures forever. And his faithfulness generation unto generation. Amen. This psalm is titled, A Psalm of Thanksgiving. Of the 150 psalms that we have, only 34 of them don't have titles. And often people omit the reading of the titles when reading these psalms publicly. And they probably don't think that the titles are part of scripture or it's because of the Bible version that they're reading that separates the title from the actual body of the psalm. Or they put it in brackets as not to read it. But this title is part of God's breathed out word. And I point this out because the title of the psalm tells us a lot about the psalm itself. In Hebrew, a psalm of thanksgiving is mizmor la tovav. It is understood as a song of praise for thanksgiving offering, which takes us back to the Levitical law, specifically 
the peace offering. And we can see this in Leviticus chapter 7, verses 12 through 15. Now, the peace offering would have been broken up into three different parts. We have a free will offering, which was given when there was no specific obligation to make an offering. Hence, it was given out of your own free will. Then we had a vow offering, which was given, you guessed it, when they made a vow. And then we had the thanksgiving offering, which was given in response to God's favor towards the one providing the offering. Now, many scholars agree that this would have been a song that was sung during the Thanksgiving offering, inviting all other people to join in in their song of praise to Yahweh. And also, we see that this would have been a song that would have been sung during temple worship or as worship begun, inviting all to join in. And I say this because the title is important. It is God breathe. So we must also pay attention to it. Now, as we dig into verse one, there are a few things that we pointed out within this Psalm that got us to the conclusion of our main idea. First off, we came to the conclusion that this is not a Thanksgiving Psalm, but a Psalm of praise. Now, although the title is a Psalm of Thanksgiving, this Psalm speaks more of God's praise or giving praise to him rather than giving thanks for what he has done. A good example of a Thanksgiving Psalm would be one of my favorites, Psalm 34. This is the the very famous um, Psalm that says, Oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. How blessed is the man who takes takes refuge in him. But we can see all throughout this song, these are things that we are giving thanks to God for on behalf. There are several other Psalms that we can see this, this aspect. I mean, even in verse four, it says that I have inquired of Yahweh and he answered me. That is absolutely something that we can be giving thanks for, which is why Psalm 34 is a thanksgiving Psalm. And as we continue to dig into Psalm 100, we can begin to see why this is a praise Psalm. Now, Psalm 100, we see has at least three areas in which we offer praise to God. And the first one is how we rejoice or our posture, how we are to prepare our heart and go before the Lord in a in a mode of rejoicing. Now, we see this in verses one and two. Uh, In in verses one and two, it says, make a loud shout to Yahweh, all the earth, serve Yahweh with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. So this first thing that we see here is there's shouting involved. (laughs) This is not something that is quiet. This is very loud and this is unto our God. So this first command is for all the earth to shout, not just the believers, but all of the earth to shout to the Lord. It is a sense of a loud cry or or a signal from battle of a triumphant war cry, war uh, war cry. See the psalmist here is telling no no, the psalmist is commanding for us to shout in a way that is comparable to a king who is just coming back from battle and he is being ushered in by his people and they're shouting victoriously because of the battle that was just won. 
in our modern day, we could think of this as our favorite football team winning the Super Bowl. We would shout and cheer so loud, so you know, um, the, the the noise would not be quiet. It would be everyone that was um, witnessing this championship shouting and making a joyful noise. So this is that type of shouting. We need to be making a loud, joyful noise to the Lord. And he also says that we need to serve the Lord with gladness. Th- this is interesting because there's a lot of people that I know that do serve. But it could be out of a posture of obligation. Well, I'm serving because I know they need me. I know that they need help. I'm serving because I, I actually get paid to do this. This is, you know, my side gig or anything like that. They're doing this out of obligation and not out of a joy filled service to the Lord with gladness. Some people I've been to places where people are serving and they got a they got a frown on their face. It's like, man, what why would you want to serve the Lord if you're not doing it out of gladness. So we see this not as something that is negative, but that is something that is positive in a, in a glad filled um, light, not something that is done out of obligation, but something that is done joyfully. So while the psalmist is referring to service in a form of work or labor, it can also be in a form of formal worship. We can serve the Lord in our worship with our entire bodies. We can serve the Lord that way. And we are to do it with gladness, not begrudgingly, not out of obligation. It is to be done with gladness. There's no obligation attached to this. I would much rather someone not serve than to to serve begrudgingly. Because we see here in verse 2, we need to serve Yahweh with gladness. And then we're also coming before him with joyful songs. This part, I think, is just so good for us to hear as a society, as a church. We need to hear this. We are coming before him with joyful songs, joy-filled songs from the heart. Now, this does not negate theology because all of our songs need to be theologically accurate. We cannot just sit up there and try and sing all these songs just because our heart feels good. I think Shailen says it best when he's talking about theology and doxology. He says, theology is a study of God and is very important. Doxology is an expression of praise to God. So the point here is that all theology should ultimately lead to doxology. If theology doesn't lead to doxology, then we actually miss the point of theology. So if you have theology without doxology, you just have dead code orthodoxy, which is horrible, right? And on the other side, we have people that say, oh, forget theology. I just want to praise. But if we have doxology without theology, we actually have idolatry because it's just a random expression of praise, but it's not actually informed by the truth of who God is. So God is concerned with both. He is concerned with an accurate understanding of him and that accurate understanding of him leads to response in praise, adoration and worship towards him. See, this is this is the reason why we need to have accurate theology in our songs, because from that accurate theology, we are rightly expressing 
what we understand about God in our lives. So if we don't have that, we're missing the point. We really are. And the reason why I'm spending so much time on this is because look at what happened to Uzzah in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Uzzah had a right heart. Uzzah did not want the ark of God to fall. He didn't. He valued it. He loved God. But God's command was that only the Levitical priests were to touch the ark. So when Uzzah saw the ark about to fall, this is what happened. Second Samuel chapter six, it says, then they came to the thrashing floor of Nakan and Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it because the oxen nearly upset it. And this is what it says in verse seven. And the anger of Yahweh burned against Uzzah and God struck him down there for his irreverence. And he died by the ark of God. We can't just have random expressions of praise. Our praise, our doxology must be rightly informed by our theology. It does not matter how good of a heart that you have. If it is not informed by the words of God, it is idolatry. This is why you see a ton of people wanting to just praise and do their own things and, and have people be looking at them rather than it being pointed to Christ. Everything that we do should be done for the glorification of God so that when others see our good works, they glorify our father who is in heaven, which is why another a, a second way in which we praise is by knowing him. There's some things that we need to realize. There's some things that we need to understand. And in verse three, it tells us, know that Yahweh, he is God. Listen, the world is going to tell you different, that there are other gods that you can serve, that there are other, you know, beings in the universe that is causing all these things together. I, I'm, I'm constantly referencing, um, you know, Greek mythology because I'm playing God of War right now, but um, they, they're, they're all these other gods that are, you know, controlling the sun and controlling the moon and controlling love. And, and that is false. That is absolutely false. There's only but one God, Yahweh. He came to us in the person of Jesus Christ and he left his spirit in us. So we serve one God. And that is who we are talking about today. And, and we need to recognize that he is God. There's no other gods. There, there is no other gods because he is the one who made us. We see this as it continues. He is the one who made us. We did not make ourselves. We did not come from goop. There is nothing that we have done to get us to the place that we are here as a human race. There's nothing we've done. We rely wholly on the Lord because he's God. He is the creator of it all. He's the one that made us. We didn't make ourselves. All of these other theories that are out there, once again, they're theories. They're not proven facts. So we need to understand the proven fact that Yahweh, he is God. He is the one who made us. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So we also see not only is God the only God, he is the only one. He is God. Not only did he make us, he's the one that created us. He is the one that breathed life into our lungs and knit us in our mother's womb. But also, this is his domain. He runs this. He owns it all. 
This is why it says in verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving. We are bringing our thanksgiving offering to him, to his place and giving thanks. This is why we are always to be giving thanks because all of this is his. So when we enter into the church building, it should be with a heart of thanksgiving because this is his domain. When we enter into our homes, it should be with thanksgiving because this is his domain. All the things that we have, all the things that we enter into, it is his. We need to understand that we are but stewards of what he has blessed us with, what he has allowed us to temporarily hold, to temporarily have. And when we begin to see it in that light, I'm telling you, you're going to feel so much less pressure over everything. The car that I've had, I've had for a long time. And trust me, it's given me a lot of problems. But by the grace of God, it keeps moving because I don't see it as my car. This is something that he has allowed me to have the home that I have. I am so grateful that I am able to host. I am so grateful that I'm able to to have people in my home because This is what God has blessed me with. And I just want to be a good steward with it. So whether I'm entering the church building, whether I'm entering my car, whether I'm entering in whatever building, I am bringing my thanksgiving because I understand that this is his domain. I'm entering his courts with praise. Once again, that praise is rightly informed by the theology of knowing who he is because we realize the fact that Yahweh is God. Jesus died for our sins. The Holy Spirit dwells within every single believer. These are facts that we can see because of what his word says. He has preserved his word and he has given it to us so that we can know him. This is the aspect that we need to understand. Not only do we rejoice because of who he is, but we also praise him by knowing him. At Life Baptist Church, that is our vision, that all may know Christ and make him known. And that is the last section that that, that we're dealing with here in verses four and five. So in verse four, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his course with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, understanding that he owns it all. He is God and he is the one that made us. We are his property, his sheep, the ones that he, uh, that, that we're being taken care of by him. And then in verse five, it says, for Yahweh is good. This is the result of our worship. This is the result of our theology. This is the result of everything that we have call, um, um, that we have come to for he is good for Yahweh is good. His loving kindness endures forever. His faithfulness generation unto generation. See, we need to understand this, his goodness, his loving kindness, and his faithfulness. We can see all throughout our lives in every aspect of our life. There's not one day that he's not stopped being good. There's not one day that he has withheld his loving kindness. There's not one day that he has not continued to show his faithfulness from generation unto generation. So, so when we're looking at his goodness, there's so many things that we can praise him for. There's so many things that we can say, because this is who he is. This is not only, you know, something that he claims. This is an attribute of God. He, he is good. No matter what situation that you're going through, no matter what um, lifestyle that you're, you're trying to overcome or get into, God is good. 
If you are aspiring to be a successful lawyer and you're not that yet, guess what? God is still good. If you are just being kicked out of your house and you're wondering how you're going to get to your next meal, guess what? God is still good. And for those who are in Christ Jesus, he works all situations, everything out for good. For those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, and we can rest in that because he has not failed. He will not fail and he never will fail because we also see that his loving kindness endures forever. When, when you think about that, his loving kindness endures forever. There is not one time that it will fail. It, 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 inv- it invokes this term of his gracious love in keeping his promises. Every single promise that God promised, he keeps every single one of them. And we can rest assured in that, not only because it has happened, but because we also have in his word that it will happen. Jesus said he will return again. There will be a new heavens and a new earth that we are ushered into because he has promised that if he goes away, he will prepare a place that he will bring us into. So we can see that his loving kindness endures forever and we can trust him because he has kept his word and he will continue to keep his word. And then his faithfulness. Listen, the reason a a good indication of God's faithfulness from generation unto generation is the believers today. God has preserved his word for over 2000 years. And there are, there are believers a generation after generation after generation. And it just shows the faithfulness of God for all those who repent of their sin and trust in Jesus Christ, that they will not be put to shame. Not one of them because his faithfulness endures from generation to generation. So as we see that our God is good, that his loving kindness endures forever. When we repent of our sin and place faith in him, when we see that his faithfulness is not only given to our, our grandparents, but it'll also be given to our grandchildren because that faithfulness is being told from generation to generation. Now here's the key because it is told in verse five, we see his goodness, his loving kindness and his faithfulness. And the result for us is to tell of his goodness, his loving kindness and his faithfulness. That is the part when we are making him known. We know Christ to make him known, which is how we come to the conclusion of our main idea. God is glorified in joyful people who are eager to know him and make him known. Listen, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is because you know him. It is not that you know about him, but you know him. You know that he has died on the cross for your sins. You know he has overlooked the times of ignorance and called you out of the domain of darkness into the light and the kingdom of his son. And you are adopted as a son or a daughter. You are beloved. These are all things that we know. It is not something that we feel because, yes, our feelings are valid, but his declaration stands regardless of how we feel. And we walk in that. And because we walk in that, we proclaim that to others by making him known. We tell of his goodness in our lives and in what we see around us. We tell of his loving kindness, which endures forever. 
And we live as a testament to the faithfulness of God from generation to generation to generation as we continue to do so. Listen, guys, this is one of the most encouraging psalms when you're looking to praise God in the midst of your circumstances. Because the point of us going over this again is to reorient our minds. We cannot focus on our situation and think that's going to provide the problem. You never focus on the problem to find the solution. You focus on the solution to solve the problem. And the solution is Christ, to know him and to make him known. 